Welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Elder Scrolls Legends. This episode is sponsored by Team Rankstar and Inked Gaming. Visit TeamRankstar.com for all the latest Tesla news and visit Inked Gaming and use the code TRS12 to get 12% off your next order of customized gaming gear. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the community, and the meta of the Elder Scrolls Legends. My name is Mark and I'm your host from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And today it is just me. It's me alone. And it's me in an entirely new room in a rather echoey basement doing a rather different type of episode. Um, so, to be honest with you, you may hear some weird noises, some creaks, and the audio quality may not be fantastic today. And the main reason for that is, is right now it's Thursday afternoon, and I haven't had a lot of sleep, because on Monday, my wife went into labor, and on Monday evening, gave birth to our new daughter, uh, Aria Faith. Lutz. And so there's a new member of uh, the Legends cast family, um, and that new member is Arya, which is awesome. And mom and baby are healthy, and that's fantastic. Um, and she's home, and my daughter's now a big sister. But it also means that I'm in my basement, and I have family over, and I haven't had time to find someone to record an episode with me, and so you're getting this solo show where I'm going to talk about the state of the podcast as it stands, the uh, the new gauntlet that's going to be coming out um, the same day that this uh, episode releases, uh, which is going to be Friday, which is the best that I can do for keeping track of what day it is right now. Um, and then beyond that, I'm also going to talk about a, a sort of a crafting list, and we're going to start my own personal recommendations um, for sort of crafting priority. And that's going to be taken over the next couple of episodes, and hopefully I'll have a couple of guests on it. the next couple of episodes. I'll have time to put that all together. So usually there's time for like breaks and other people are going to talk, but because this is just a solo show, it's really just me in my unfinished 80-year-old basement talking to myself and wondering why my house creaks so bad and why my microphone picks it up so badly. Oh, and also, just so you know, you're going to get the pleasure of hearing anytime anybody flushes the toilet in my house, evidently. So there's that not the most ideal situation in the world but anyway let's sort of jump in i've been meaning to take a moment to talk about sort of like the state of things in terms of the podcast and where i am with everything and whenever you have a guest on it's usually not good to spend 10 or 15 minutes just talking about your show and doing internal business but i figured if you've been a consistent listener of this show and about 200 or so people have been then maybe you're a little bit interested at least in kind of where i'm at with the show so when I started Legends Cast, I did it as a hobby. I thought I would do a solo show, and maybe I would do it for a month or so, and then I would quit doing it. I knew that no one was doing a show right now, and so I thought maybe I can just sort of throw something together 
and build a little community around it, but I didn't really think it would go anywhere or that too many people would listen to it because I'd podcasted before and it's enjoyable for me to get out the microphone and to talk about something that I enjoy, but I really didn't expect to continue to have to make content or organize for this game or really anything that I'm currently doing for Legends Cast. I just kind of thought that it would be me rambling about a show that I like once every now and then. And I'd probably get to the point where I was only recording an episode whenever a new expansion came out to talk about some new cards and see if anybody wanted to listen to it. Well, as it turns out, that didn't happen. I recorded three episodes over two days, and those were my solo shows, and everything since then has had at least one, sometimes more than one person from the community. The whole way from what I would consider to be professional players, streamers, content creators, YouTubers, strategists, and Legends coast coaches. So... The show has really taken off, and I thought that no one would listen to it, but there's a couple hundred people listening to it. And I thought it would be hard to create a community, but Beefquake has started our Discord and manages that now, and that's awesome. Um, I never dreamed of monetizing anything that I was doing for this, because I was just kind of doing it as a hobby. Um, but now that people are expecting to see content, we started a Patreon, and we have two patrons. Um, in fact, I almost forgot to mention that. We have to patrons now, people who are um, have seen uh, value in what I'm doing and are uh, in turn giving value back to help fund some things that I'd like to do with the show. So a big shout out to Benjamin Wyatt, which is that your real name or do you like Parks and Rec that much? Because I like Parks and Rec that much. So if your real name is Benjamin Wyatt, dude, write to me and let me know, because that's awesome. He's an awesome character from Parks and Rec. And uh, Lord Raymond, um, who has been a supporter of the show from early on, um, is also now a patron of ours. And also the show ended up being sponsored by Team Rank Star, which I didn't expect. I shot out a message to them and said, hey, I'm going to be doing a show occasionally for coverage on Elder Scrolls Legends. And didn't know if you wanted to work together. And they shot me a message back saying, yes, like, let's work together. And we'd like to financially support what you're doing. And it's no amount of money that's like, oh, my gosh, you're getting paid to do this. But a couple of bucks a month is nice. And so uh, it's nice to reinforce the fact that what I'm doing is meaningful and that it's important to people. And so all of that to say, Legends casts has sort of become something that I didn't expect it to be. I focused a lot more of my time and energy on it than I expected to. And as you all know, if you've listened to the show, in my daily life, in what I do, I'm in school, I work full time, I now have two children, and one of them is a brand newborn, the other one's two years old. We have a huge community of close friends and relationships. I lead four or three or four small groups of people that I personally invest my time and my energy in, sort of in person here. I'm a leader in a church of almost a thousand people in a small town, and so I have a lot going on in my day-to-day -day life. And so all of that to say, um, I went from planning on borrowing a microphone from the church, grabbing my work computer, throwing up an episode once a month or so, to now I record every week. Um, I had to quit using any church equipment. So I bought a brand new microphone um, and I'm borrowing a laptop from a buddy of mine in my gaming group. And um, he gave me his old uh, laptop from school and it's like seven or eight years old and the screen is like oddly white in one corner and 
hurts my eyes to look at and everything runs horribly slow on it. On top of that, we wanted to build a place for me to be able to record and my wife to be able to teach because she tutors kids online. And so we're renovating my basement. And if you are hearing that, I don't know if you can hear the crying in the background. I can hear the crying. That's my daughter, Aria, chiming in for this episode. So she'll probably quiet down relatively soon. She's probably getting her diaper changed. Um, So I started renovating my basement and went out and spent some money on purchasing some supplies to be able to put in a couple of rooms in my 80-year-old unfinished damp basement. And me and my dad have started tearing stuff out because I don't know how to do most of the stuff that he knows how to do. And I've been learning from him on how to do some renovation and put up some walls, uh, paint, replumb, rerun most of the electrical systems in my house, which haven't been worked on in 50 years. Um, Flooring, ceilings, drywall, everything. Um, so that I can create a decent place to be able to record this show, which, as you know, is going to be several thousand dollars. Now, I'm benefiting because I'm going to be able to make a game room down here as well, which is really cool, and a place for my gaming group to play tabletop games and RPGs, but we're also going to be building like a small, janky recording studio for this podcast. And so all of that to say, check out our Patreon page. This has become a lot bigger than what I expected it to be, And although I'm not getting rich off of it by any stretch of the imagination, and likely unless Legends blows up and Hearthstone shuts down, I never ever will. If you're finding value in what we're doing, would you consider giving value back? Um, You can visit our Patreon page. The link is just about everywhere. It's definitely on our Team Rankstar page. It's usually on all my Reddit posts. Um, Or you can just go to patreon.com and search for Legends Cast. Um, in fact, you could probably just Google Legends Cast and you eventually find our Patreon page. Um, consider giving us 25 cents an episode. Um, when I say us, I mean kind of like me and my family um, so that we can put that investment into a computer that isn't slow as junk um, that I can actually record on and that I can edit on more efficiently so that we can invest in the room that we're building um, so that we can prepare for that. I don't really know how to set up everything on Patreon. I hope that you can give a dollar an episode. I know that our our pledges since then have been higher than that. Um, uh, But uh, even 25 cents an episode is a a dollar a month. Um, And that dollar a month spread out over 100 or 200 people makes an enormous difference in our lives. And a couple hundred bucks a month may seem like a lot of money or it may not seem like much money to you. But a couple hundred bucks a month will go a really long way um, in sort of establishing Legends Cast as something a little bit larger um, and also being able to develop and build a room that we can use to be able to just make the podcast over all better. And that's really the goal. Um, I want to make the show better. I think that people enjoy it, and I'm happy about that. I think that the community that we've created around Legends Cast has been really cool, and I'm really happy for that as well. So I guess that's kind of the state of things. I'm certainly not shutting down the show, um, but the longer that the show goes, um, it is harder to pull together. That's just being honest. It's harder to find guests. Um, It will be harder to continue to come up with content, although the Discord has been really awesome for that. And uh, it's easy to become discouraged whenever you're doing something like this and you're not getting a lot of feedback. I super appreciate the patrons that we have. I can't believe that you guys are willing to shell out some money every month to ensure that this show continues. Um, So I'm asking the community that we've sort of created to just consider 
helping make the show a better show um, by helping us create a space and a room and get the equipment that we need um, to actually set up a good location for making a podcast. And my chair is about to make a lot of noise. Actually, it didn't. Miraculous. Um, So that's kind of the state of things right now, kind of where I am and where we are. I love doing the show. I love the community, especially if you're in our Discord. I really appreciate that. Like, if you don't do Discord, like, the cool thing about Discord, if you don't do Discord, is that when you download it, you only be in one Discord, which, by the way, is awesome because getting bombarded from five or six or 10 or 30 Discords isn't a lot of fun. But it is great to have one Discord, and I've gotten to know a lot of really great people over that, and I'm always there communicating on Discord. Not that I'm particularly important or uh, significant in any way, but we are always having people sort of give deck advice. Dead Broke Nerd is literally on there right now helping a guy prepare for a warp meta in our Deck Tech channel, and so or Deck Ideas channel. Anyway, you should check it out. And there's a tabletop gaming channel, so you can chat with me about tabletop gaming and a lot of the other people from our community that enjoy tabletop gaming in addition to playing Elder Scrolls Legends. So make sure that you check out our Discord. It's important to me, um, and it's important to support uh, someone from our community who went out of his way to create and manage that page, and I really appreciate him for going out of his way to make that happen because I wouldn't have done it on my own. I just simply haven't had the time. I'd love to have time to do some other content for the game, but as long as I'm in my master's program and as long as my children are as young as they are, the truth is, is I'm not going to be able to put out YouTube content. I've had some people ask about it. I'm not going to manage social media accounts. I've had some people ask about Twitter, um, and I'm not going to be able to do much more than what I'm doing right now. Uh, If a day came when we could organize some tournaments for the podcast and the patrons, I'd love to do that. Right now, there's no real benefit to you becoming a patron other than you encouraging me and saying that you're giving value back to something that you find valuable. Um, And eventually, I'd love to do some stuff for patrons exclusively, but I don't have time to do extra audio content. I don't have time to organize tournaments. And quite frankly, I don't have time to make anything special for people who decide to be patrons. I deeply, deeply appreciate you, and I'm so thankful for the fact that we do have some people who want to support the show in that way. Um, And and please understand, like, if you don't have the money, never do that. Like, just join our Discord and support us by being part of the conversation. I appreciate that just as much. Um, Okay, that's enough. There's probably some other things that I could say about kind of where we are and what we're doing, but to be honest with you, that's about 15 minutes of content about that, and that's probably 13 minutes too much. So thank you so much for listening to me ramble about where we are in the show, and if you care about the show, I hope you stuck through it. Let's talk a little bit about Elder Scrolls Legends because there's some cool stuff going on. The big thing is starting today when this episode releases, probably sometime around 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, um, we're going to have the release of the latest gauntlet. This is the third gauntlet we've gotten. The original one was just a constructed gauntlet, very similar to what you would have seen on ladder. I enjoyed it a lot. The next one was the popper gauntlet. I did not like it at all. Disliked it a whole lot. Didn't do well in it. Don't want to play it again. Not going to go back to that conversation. I thought it was going to be cool. Wasn't nearly as cool as it. I hoped it would be. So we have a new gauntlet coming up, and that's Singleton Gauntlet. And there's been a lot of conversations about Singleton Gauntlet um, that I've heard, I don't know, probably over the last couple of weeks. And I personally am glad that it's back because I think Singleton is a ton of fun to play. Unfortunately, you're going to see a lot of very expensive tri-color control decks because, quite frankly, 
That's just what plays Singleton the best. Tribunal Mushroom Tower, um, uh, not Tribunal Mushroom Tower, Telvani Mushroom Tower, um, Tribunal Control, and honestly, maybe Tribunal Mushroom Tower as well. Um, basically, anything that will allow you to play um, the big, I think, 10 or 11 cost card that lets you play an item, or yeah, an item, a support, a creature, and an action from your deck so that you can put out Mushroom Tower, sacrifice a creature, and replay it, which mechanically doesn't even make sense that it works that way, but evidently it does make sense because the idea of uh what, what is it like the betrayal mechanic that it gives all of your spells wasn't on the spell whenever you casted it it came on the spell halfway through the turn once you played mushroom tower but that's neither here nor there it works the way that it works and i don't think it should work that way so if you're into playing singleton and you have those very specific cards that are used for singleton it's going to be a lot of fun. And don't forget about the card that can go and fetch a skeleton or a spirit from your deck because you're going to be able to go uh, grab the singleton guy that um, specifically allows you to regain five health and restore a rune, which is a really important card in singleton. I don't expect to see many aggro decks because, quite frankly, aggro is strongly dependent on reliability. Aggro wants to do the same thing on the same turns every game. They want to pressure, they want to put the same cards out on the same turns, and they want to navigate around your opponent's cards. When you're playing singleton, you're anything but consistent as an aggro deck, and when you're playing against singleton decks, well, quite frankly, they're anything but predictable. So I don't expect to see much aggro. You may be able to see a little bit of mid-range, but mid-range wants to reliably hit their mid-range. So it's mostly going to be a slog of control against control against control, and you might see some Guild Sworn or some Dominion out there, but it's largely going to be Tribunal and Telvani. And I can tell you this much, I'm going to be playing Tribunal because there's a lot of fun cards that you can play in Singleton Tribunal that you typically wouldn't play anywhere else. If you have a huge collection, you're probably going to enjoy this. If you don't have a huge collection, you're probably going to hate this. And on top of that, you can really lose out in this gauntlet because if you don't get at least like six or seven wins, you're not even going to get a return on your investment. You don't get three uh, tickets back, um, arena tickets back until like six or seven wins. Unlike the popper gauntlet, which gave you three tickets back if you got a single win. So there was almost no reason not to play your three runs. In this case, Singleton Gauntlet, if you don't have the cards to play Singleton, and specifically if you don't have the very large amount of legendaries required to play um, Control Singleton, I think that this deck is just going to be, well, difficult to say it best. Or this Gauntlet isn't going to be a lot of fun for you, especially because even if you could scrap together a decent Singleton deck and you're free-to-play or a new player... It's going to be really, really difficult to get to those six or seven wins. If you've built up some arena tickets over the past couple of weeks and you don't mind spending them getting probably worse rewards than you would get if you just played arena runs, then go ahead, jump in. It's probably going to be fun. But don't be surprised if you're frustrated losing to kind of the same control shell over and over again, trying to do basically the same thing and probably doing it a lot better than you because you just don't have the cards that make it happen. Um, so that's my thought on this week's. I'll tell you this much as a player who has a, most of any card that you could possibly want for Singleton and plenty of gems um, to craft any extra cards that I want that I might be missing. 
I'm definitely going to be playing the Singleton Gauntlet this weekend, and I'll let you know next week how it goes. I'm really excited for it because I think it will give some interesting decisions to make, and if you have a big collection and enough arena tickets that you don't really mind, which a lot of people do, then this is probably going to be a blast. It's definitely going to create good stream content, so at the very least, tomorrow and throughout this weekend, make sure you tune in and check out some streams, because I'm sure there's going to be some really cool, really creative singleton decks that some streamers and deck builders will be coming up with. Okay, well, that's all of that. So let's get on to the main feature for today, and it's the main feature, but probably won't be terribly long. And that's a little bit of a crafting guide. So one of the things that we have in our Discord is just a podcast Q&A, and we've had some questions come through there about kind of like, what cards should I craft? And a lot of people who are kind of newer to the game and really not sure what they would focus on. And although we do have some really good crafting guides that are out there, and I think a lot of people kind of follow Ian Bitt's crafting guide, um, I thought I would throw my own together and give my own two cents. Because let's face it, no one's really an expert at this game. And the meta shifts all the time. And certain cards that weren't good six months ago are really strong right now. And certain cards that were maybe crafts are must crafts or never crafts now. And so I thought it would be good to kind of give a new view over the next couple of episodes of different cards that I think are valuable and that you should craft for different things. I'm not going to spend any time talking about common or rare cards, because quite frankly, if you can't figure out what common and rare cards you should be running in your shell, you're going to need to do a little bit more research. Maybe go to Legends decks and begin looking at the type of decks that you want to play and look at the common and rare card shells that are in them, because most of them are the same. Aggressive decks with purple are going to be running Young Mammoth. That's just going to be in their deck. Or they're going to be running Bleak Coast Troll or Windkeep Spell Sword. And so you're going to find kind of similar common and rare cards in each deck that is kind of the shell that you want to run. Some of the variation could come into the legendary and epics based off of the size of the deck creator's collection. Maybe there's a better card that he could have had in there, but he didn't have it. So he crafted a deck without having that card. Or maybe it's just based off of preference. Or if you're looking at a deck from a couple of weeks ago, Perhaps the meta has shifted, and it's no longer quite as viable. So I'm going to try to give you a realistic look at two things. One, I'm going to look at each Keller. Well, three or four things. It's going to combine in this way. One, I'm going to look at each Keller. Then I'm going to look at three different archetypes in each Keller. Aggro, mid-range, and control decks. Then I'm going to look at legendary cards for each of those archetypes for that Keller that are must-crafts, and epic cards. And I'm going to tell you how many of each I would craft, and the priority of them. I'm going to give you three of each for the most part. Three legendaries in red that I would craft for aggro, and three epics in red that I would craft for aggro. The same for midrange, the same for control. And I'll give you a little bit as to why. So let's dive in. I'm not sure how long this episode is going to go. Probably kind of when my voice begins giving out because I got like three hours of sleep last night. Um, and then we'll maybe make it through red and yellow. And if I can, we'll start into blue as well. So let's first start talking about aggro, um, and let's specifically look at red. So if you're pulling up your collection manager with me, hit that crafting site button so you can see what cards you have and what cards you don't have. And I'm going to give you what I think as of today are some of the most important crafts. And what's really interesting is that though red has typically been the most aggressive archetype or the most aggressive keller in the game, it isn't right now. 
blue is actually more aggressive. And blue actually isn't the most aggressive deck because of legendaries or epics. It's the most aggressive because of its commons and its rares. So red is kind of in this weird space where you're not really sure what you want to play. And so out of the legendary cards, I'm going to give you three that I think you could use, but you certainly don't have to use. I think maybe the most important card is Garnag. This is a Dark Adherent, Garnag Dark Adherent. This is a four mana, four five with breakthrough that says players can't have more than seven mana, mana magicka. And this is a unique card and you get it from the Dark Brotherhood expansion. Um, so you can't actually craft this one, but I do think it's an important card. And actually, come to think of it, you may be able to craft it. I'm not sure. It's kind of silly to the first card I give you is one that you can't craft in a crafting guide. But just in terms of importance, I think that Garneg is really an important card. And so if you're playing red aggro, rather than crafting, you want to be able to save up and get that Dark Brotherhood set and make sure that you pick up the section that has Garneg in it. The second most important one doesn't see a lot of play right now, but it is a really strong aggressive card, and it is one that you can craft, and that's Relentless Raider. Relentless Raider is a 1-mana, 2-1, legendary Nord that reads, after an enemy rune is destroyed, deal 1 damage to your opponent. Um, and this is definitely a card that you're going to want to have 3 of. This is a 3-craft, and it's expensive to craft 3 legendaries, I know that. And there's definitely cards that you could run in place of this. But this just sort of takes up your aggressive game one more notch. It's a must remove. And if you have a couple of them in your hand towards the end of the game and you can bust a ruin, sometimes you can bust three or even four runes in one turn because these guys just keep throwing damage at your opponent's face. This is one of the first cards that I crafted. I don't regret it. Although it's not seeing a lot of play right now, Anytime that red comes back into the meta as the top aggressive strategy, Relentless Raiders is probably going to find a place in that deck if you're going just full aggression. The last one is Reeve Blademaster. This is a 4-mana, 3-5 Daedra that reads, When Reeve attacks, deal 2 damage to your opponent and then increase this damage dealt by 2. This is also not a card that's seeing a lot of play, because once again, quite honestly, Red Aggression isn't seeing a lot of play. The only place you're seeing Red Aggression is in Crusader Aggression, and that aggro deck runs minions and a wide board, not something like Reeve. But Reeve is a really strong card, and it's something that has to be removed. It can be played in red mid-range if you're playing a red aggressive mid-range deck, but it's definitely better found in an aggro deck. It's one of those things where you can throw out a couple of guys at the beginning, and as your opponent is trying to stabilize the board, throwing down a 3-5 that's relatively hard, of, hard to remove, but must be removed the turn before they can piercing javelin it, is usually really strong. So Reeve, oftentimes dealing at least 5 damage to your opponent before it can be removed, is definitely good. And if you can get 2 attacks with this thing, it's really, really strong. And it's a unique legendary, so you don't have to craft many things for it. Let's talk about epics for aggressive, because that's really where it is. And that's Withered Hand Cultist is number one. That is going to be a three mana, three four, that reads all spells are going to cost two more. This usually just impairs your opponent, because you're playing red aggression, it means that you're not playing a lot of spells in your hand. So you don't really mind the, def the deficit that this presents. It's just a net benefit to you. This is a really strong card, and often played against Ice Storm metas, when you're playing a wide board and you want to prevent your opponent from playing Ice Storm until turn 7 or turn 8. And in my opinion, if you're playing aggressive decks and you're playing red, 
Withered Hand Cultist just happens to be a must craft. The next is Halalu Sharpshooter. Halalu Sharpshooter is a 3-mana 2-3 that is a Dark Elf. Oh no, it's actually a Nord that reads Plot, Silence an enemy creature, then deal 1 damage to it. It goes hand-in-hand with another card that I'm saying is a must-have 3, which is Earthbone Spinner, which is a 4-mana 3-2 Wood Elf that reads Silence, Summon, Silence another creature, then deal 1 damage to it. You don't need three of each of these, but if you're playing aggression with a lot of one drops or you're playing aggression with a lot of zero drops, maybe like a Halalu deck, you want to be running Halalu Sharpshooter. If you're playing a red deck that wants to blend more heavily towards mid-range, then you're going to be running Earthbone Spinner. Silence is really, really strong in this game, and if you're playing aggression and your buddy or your opponent is playing, I don't know, Hive Defenders against you, it's a lot better to be able to silence it and swing face than it is to have to bust six damage or more into your opponent's minion. So Earthbone Spinner or Halalu Sharpshooter are must-crafts for red aggressive strategies. Let's talk mid-range for red. My three for mid-range um, are, first off, Blood Dragon. This is a three of craft. This is the current meta. And it's mostly because, well, we see a lot of Mighty Conjuring in blue being played. But Blood Dragon's a 5-mana 5-7 that reads, ignores guards, and may attack creatures in any lane. It's really strong stats for the mana that you're paying for it, and it has a net positive ability. This is a really strong legendary card, another must-craft, and you can actually play this in pretty aggressive builds as well, although it definitely finds its home in the current Battle Mage mid-range deck. Um, Vigilant Giant is the other mid-range card um, that uh, I... Is that really what I, Vigilant Giant? Is that is that what I'm suggesting right now? I'm just trying to make sure that I got the right name for it. Um, I, oh yeah, that's the Legendary. Legendary is what I'm on. Vigilant Giant. This is an 8-mana eight 8-8 eight, eight with guard and breakthrough that reads Summon Draw Card. This is a little bit of resource extension for red mid-range. It's a big boy that helps stop up aggro cards. I'm not suggesting you craft three of these, though. I really think that two of them is uh, probably the sweet spot for Vigilant Giant, or, yeah, Vigilant Giant if you're going to be playing mid-range. Then there is one that's going to be coming from an expansion or a a storyline, and that is from the Gates of Madness or Isle of Madness storyline, and that's Syl the Duchess, Duchess of Dementia. I probably messed that up. It's a six mana, seven six that reads, Summon, this lane becomes... Dementia? I think that's what it is. Maybe I'm pronouncing that wrong. Anyway, basically what it means is that that lane will now read, instead of either shadow or nothing, it will read at the beginning of your turn, if you have the most powerful creature, in other words, the most attack stat in that lane, deal three damage to your opponent. It's really strong for mid-range decks because it helps you put a little bit of damage through that you might need. And if you're playing against a control component, opponent, they don't want to take control of that lane anymore. And sometimes when they do take control of that lane, you're actually rather happy about it. Because they're now deal damaging, dealing damage to your face as a control player and giving you cards after you've lost the lane. Sometimes that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So that card is one that you can't craft, but definitely one that you want to pick up if you want a strong mid-range deck. I think that's the least important of them. Let's move on to red epic cards for mid-range. 
Okay, so there's a couple in here that are probably all similar in importance, but Belligerent Giant is definitely the most important. This is a 7-mana seven 7-4 seven with Breakthrough that reads Summon, Unsummon a creature in this lane or destroy an enemy support. This is support removal. This is huge tempo swings. This is a giant Breakthrough creature. This is everything that you want in mid-range. Belligerent Giant may not seem like much because it gets removed by a Lightning Bolt or um, sort of like the buffed up new Lightning card that came out, um, but this is a really strong card and definitely something that you're going to want if you're running mid-range. The other card that may sound familiar to you is Earthbone Spinner. That's because it was just in my aggro list as well. This is a must-have for mid-range, and I suggest crafting three of them, because Earthbone Spinner is just frankly a really strong card no matter what format you have her in. And you're going to want her to be able to remove pesky creatures either in your opponent's um, uh, shadow lane or whenever your opponent gets in your way with a pesky guard and ward creature. You're going to want to be able to remove that and be able to hit face to reach for the end. The last one is going to be, uh, I don't really know how to pronounce it. It's, uh, da, I can't pronounce it. It's the Yal Archer. It's the four mana, three, three orc with guard that has summoned, deal one damage to uh, deal one damage or destroy an enemy support. Once again, this is red support removal. That's really, really strong. It's also a ping if you need a ping. It's also a guard if you need a guard. Four mana, three, three. I think this is a two craft. Some people run three of them in their decks. I personally think this is a two craft unless you're trying to make some odd deck work. Keep in mind, my crafting guide is all about cards that you're going to use in multiple different decks. This isn't a niche thing where you want it for this really specific deck. If you're just building a collection, you want to know what cards are going to go into as many decks as you can have them in. You don't just want cards that are very specific to one very unique deck. Okay, that's red mid. Let's move on to red control. In legendaries for red control, I have three um, different things, and honestly, one of them probably isn't very great. Um, I put Vigilant Giants back in here, um, mainly because if you're going to be running red control, you're also going to be running, well, one of the epic cards we're going to talk about in a minute, and big breakthrough creatures in that epic card work really well together. Plus, this is resource extension, and it is a big guard. So, sometimes big bodies aren't great. In my opinion, one, maybe two copies of Vigilant Giant, if you're going to be doing red control, is important. Um, the next one is Malamimnar, which is probably a poor way to pronounce it. That's a 9-mana nine 9-8 nine, dragon that says summon and slay, battle an enemy creature with less power than its health. This allows you to basically gain control over the shadow lane towards the end of the game when your aggressive opponent has shifted to the other lane so that you can immediately remove his creatures. Sometimes pesky little ones is pretty hard for red control to remove. This card could remove an entire board of tokens for you if you needed it to. So I strongly suggest this craft if you're going to play red control and you don't need to play dragons to play this card. It is out of the three legendaries that I'm going to suggest, probably the weakest of the three, but I still think it's a good card. The last one is a card that I haven't crafted because I don't play a lot of red control, and this is kind of a niche card. It's a unique legendary called the Red Year. It's a 10 mana action that reads deal 10 damage to each creature. This is just straight up all board removal, and usually it can remove everything. 
Now, in the current meta, it doesn't see a lot of play because there's a ton of wards out there. But in a meta where there isn't a bunch of wards, this is definitely a card that is really strong in red control. If you can get to turn 10 and you can pull off red gear, generally you can swing the board back in your favor. Okay, let's look really quickly at red epics. And then we'll move on um, to blue and, and, well, instead of yellow, we'll move on to blue. And that'll be it. Okay, so there's definitely three red epics that you're going to want. The first is those archers that I talked about earlier. The four mana, three, three with guard that deal a damage or destroy an enemy support. If you're playing control, you're probably going to want three of them. And on top of that, back to the mid-range list, you're going to want Belligerent Giant as well, because you want the support removal if you're a control player. And also knocking something back to someone's hand that they've equipped with weapons or something is always relatively good. So Belligerent Giant is a 2 of, the Archer is a 2 or a 3 of. Now the card that is unique to control is going to be um, Unstoppable Rage. This is an 8-mana action that reads, A friendly creature deals damage equal to its power to all other creatures in its lane. This is a really powerful card, and if you can play it on a breakthrough creature, you can potentially one-shot your opponent, because every point of damage that you deal over um, that opponent's creature in that lane will go straight through to their face, and this is a common strategy with red control. Basically, if you're playing a slow deck and you're playing red, well, you're playing Unstoppable Rage, and in my opinion, it's a three-craft. You'll see decks who are running less of them right now because of the amount of ward, but I think that it's still a really strong card, and you're not going to regret crafting three of them. It's going to see play again, and I think it's a really solid, easy craft. Okay, that's red. That's looking at all of the red legendaries and epic cards in my crafting guide. Let's quickly go through blue, because a lot of the blue stuff is actually relatively similar. You can kind of get a legendary and epic package for blue that you can use in a lot of different decks. So let's start off with aggro, and let's look at some legendary cards that you're going to want with aggro. My one that I recommend second is actually Daggerfall Mage. Now this card has been around forever, and it's always been a really long card. A really good card. And when Sorcerer or Telvanni or Tribunal are less prevalent, then you're going to see a lot more of this card because there's not as many Sorcerer negations going around. This is, of course, the three mana 2 2 with Ward that reads When Daggerfall Mage's Ward is broken, put a Tome of Alteration into your hand. Tome of Alteration is a four mana item that gives the creature plus two plus two and lets you draw a card. Daggerfall Mage is very strong and it's everywhere right now. If you don't have them, save up for them and craft them. You won't regret it. They're going to go into basically every blue deck that you play. They're not the most aggressive blue card, but they are a really strong blue card that you can play in sort of aggressive, tricky aggro archetypes. And the go-to card. This is going to be everywhere, in everything. This is Arcano. Arcano is an 8-mana 5-5 with Breakthrough that deals 5 damage to anything, and then it gives all of your actions breakthrough. This is the strongest card in blue, hands down. It has been forever. It's not going to change anytime soon. It's a staple, and you can get it for 500 gold along with another 49 cards in a pre-made deck from the Skyrim set. You've heard us talk about this card over and over again on this show. This is the card to get. If you're playing blue, this is the first legendary you craft. So let's talk really quickly about blue aggro, because in blue aggro with epics, there's really not many cards that I've seen. There's a lot of tricky cards, there's a lot of strange cards, there's a lot of niche cards, and there's a handful of sort of, I don't know, cards you will never ever play. 
But the one card that I think that you will play if you're playing blue aggro is Sentinel Reclaimer. This was a monthly card not too long ago. It's an epic 3-mana 2-3 red guard that reads Summon, put a Steel Dagger and a Steel Sword into your hand. The Steel Dagger is a 1-mana plus 1 plus 0, and the Steel Sword is a 2-mana plus 3 plus 0. Or 3-mana plus 3 plus 0. 1, 2... I can't remember. I think it's a 3-mana plus 3 plus 0. It's basically a lightning bolt if you equip both of these to something. This gives you considerable reach, and it's something your opponent always has to be looking out for. I think it's Sentinel Reclaimer is a really strong card in aggro. I don't know that it's necessarily a three of. I think I would craft two of them and give it a try. And if you're in a meta that really benefits from a couple of easy weapons and a little bit of reach, then three of them might be necessary to craft. To be honest with you, that's all I have. Most of Blue's aggro package is actually commons and rares, and relatively easy to get your hands on. There's not a lot that's preventing you from playing a Blue aggressive strategy. If you don't have Daggerfall Mages, you don't necessarily need them. Play Discerning Thief instead. Uh, if you don't have Arcano, craft him, because you do need him, and he's the most important card in Blue. Okay, let's move on to Blue mid-range. And this one gets a little bit more complex, because let's face it, there's a ton of blue mid-range cards. Daggerfall Mage is the first one, and I think it's a must-craft. You need three of them. Um, it's just going to be necessary if you're going to be playing blue mid-range. From there, it gets really complex, because blue mid-range is incredibly expensive. You're going to need Alfie Conjurers. It's a must-have right now. You're going to need three of them as well. You can't just run two of them. And you're going to need some of the Arc uh, Atronaut package to go along with them. Alfie Conjurers is, of course, the three-mana 3-3 three, three with guard that reads uh, Consume a Creature and Summon a Fire Atronaut. And if you consume an Atronaut, you summon a Storm Atronaut. Fire Atronaut is a four-mana 5-3 with Breakthrough. Storm Atronaut is like a six-mana 7-5 with Ward. It's huge. And... I'll feed Conjurers everywhere. You're going to, of course, need Arcano as well. So if you craft it for everything else, well, you'll have it for this. So let's just, for a moment, take that out of the scenario, because we know that you're going to need Arcano. Well, I'm going to give you two more legendary cards that you're going to want to have if you're going to play blue midrange. That's going to be Abner Tharn. This is a 6-mana 5-5 five five that copies a, ba a battle cry or a summon effect that's on the field. This card is very, very strong. It can copy Merak. It can copy... I think it can even copy Alfie Conjurer. There's a lot of really strong cards that this card can copy. Abnertharn is a must-have. And to be honest with you, so is Mighty Conjuring. This is, of course, the 7-mana card that summons a random Atronach, but if you have a power of 5 or higher creature on the board, it's going to summon a Lava Atronach, which is a... 8-8 eight, eight with guard, ward, and breakthrough. This card is incredibly powerful on turn 7, the turn after you just played maybe a Storm Atronaut from your outfit Conjurer. This really seals up games against almost every type of deck, control included. It's a really powerful card, and I think, honestly, you're going to want three of them. Out of my entire list of cards that you're going to want to craft, blue midrange is by far the most expensive thing. There are lots of other areas, yellow control that's pretty expensive, purple control that's pretty expensive, but blue midrange is insanely expensive. If you wanted to craft the full set, you're going to need three Alphate Conjurers, three Daggerfall Mages, three Mighty Conjurings, an Arcano, and an Abner Tharn. That's 11 legendaries that you're going to need to play effective Battle Mage mid. 
So if you don't have those cards, maybe choose a different archetype. Um, let's look at control real quick as well. And I know I'm doing this in a slightly different thing, but Arcana was so prevalent, I just had to talk about them all at once. So we're going back to Daggerfall Mage. In control for legendaries, well, you want Daggerfall Mage because you want the board control early in the game, you want the draw, you want the ward. Daggerfall Mage, it's really good. And it's in all three sets. With it, so is Arcano. It's in all three sets. So you're going to want Arcano and you're going to want Daggerfall Mages. And that's probably the safest craft because you're going to run them in aggro midrange and in control decks. The last blue legendary that you're going to want for a control deck is actually Lanith. Um, this is, let me see how much Lanith costs. Um, Lanith is a 9 mana 6 6 dark elf that reads draw or summon, draw a card of your choice from your deck. You just get to go find whatever card you want. And let me tell you, tutor cards, and that comes from Magic the Gathering. Tutor means going and being able to take whatever you want from your deck or something specific from your deck. Even limited tutors are very powerful. Um, Lanath's tutor is really strong, and in a control deck, tutoring is very, very powerful. You can go find that one card that you need to disrupt your opponent's plan and turn the tides of the game in your favor. So Lanath is a must craft. So those are the legendaries. Let's look really quickly at the other uh, epics that we talked about. We already looked at aggro and talked about sentinel reclaimers. So let's look really quick at blue midrange because, well, once again, it's expensive. The first one that you're going to want to craft is, is it Vigilant Ancestor? Oh yes, Vigilant Ancestor. This isn't necessarily something you're always going to want. Not everyone plays Vigilant Ancestor. It's a three mana five four with guard and it says it's permanently shackled. I actually don't want Vigilant Ancestor in anything, but I have seen a lot of decks that do run it. It's good because it's a five power card, so you can play it pretty cheap and be able to get a Mighty Conjuring out pretty soon. Um, it's good because it has guard, so it's going to stop your opponent. Um, it's good because if you run it with a card that stops all of your cards from getting shackled, then, well, you can run it side by side with that, and now you're playing a 3-mana 5-4 that isn't permanently shackled. So just consider that card. I think it's very good. Um, the other one that you're going to want is 3 oh, uh, Vigilant Ancestor is a 3-of. Um, Breton Conjurer is a 3-of as well. This is an epic 4-mana 1-1 one, one Breton with Ward that reads, When Breton Conjurer's Ward is broken, summon a 5-5 five, five Frost Atronaut with Guard. This is really good because if you can get this out, you can put a Frost Atronaut on the board, your opponent has to trade into it, and it gives you something to consume um, with your Alfie Conjurer two turns later, or one if you're playing with the ring. It's a really strong card. It slows down your opponent, and it's Perfect with rapid shot on turn five to summon a 1 1, a 5 5 with guard, and, well, draw a card. It's a very, very strong card. Breton Conjurer has not always been good, but it is a card that right now, without a lot of silence and specifically without a lot of Sorcerer's Negation or Halalu Sharpshooter and without a ton of Earthbone Spinner, this card is very strong. But keep in mind that you're going to want to pop the ward the turn you play it, either with a Firebolt um, or maybe if you're playing it with red, which you typically are. Um, I just forgot the name of the card. The card that lets you ping it and draw a card. Um, so definitely look into this because Breton Conjurer is very strong and it's a three of. And then the last one that I threw in here, which probably isn't necessary, is Telvost Magister. This is a six mana five four with ward that reads at the end of your turn, if Telvost Manager or Magister has ward, you gain a ward. 
This gives you some protection against bigger decks that want to swing at you really hard in one turn, but it also gives you a 5-4 with Ward for 6 on the turn before you want to play Mighty Conjuring. So if you didn't have the Alfie Conjurer, perhaps you would have this. I wouldn't craft three of them. Two of them maybe, one of them probably. So let's look at what you would want to play in Epics for Control for Blue, because I think that's pretty important as well. Control Blue has three cards. Telvos Magister is one of them, and that's only a one-of. Um, I wouldn't ever run more than one of them in Control, but there is something I would run more than one of, and that's Piercing Twilight. That's going to be a four-mana, four-four, that um, targets something. It has Guard that targets something in your opponent's graveyard, and whatever you choose, you banish all cards from your opponent's discard pile and deck with the same name. Um, it's basically a way to get rid of a strategy that your opponent has. So they throw down Alfiq, you get rid of the clear the Alfiq, and clear the other two from their deck with Piercing Twilight. Um, it's definitely a really good card. I think one or two of them is something you should always be playing in blue control. Someone might argue with me, but I think it's a really strong card to craft. And the last card is the must-craft of blue epics if you want to play control, and even some mid-range decks that are a little bit controller slower. Um, you would definitely want to have two. Um, and that's, you're going to craft three Ice Storms. In Control, Ice Storm is just necessary. This is the six mana card that deals three damage to everything on the board. Now, Ice Storm is a lot more popular when there were less wards out there, but it's still a really strong card, and it's incredible against token decks. And any token meta, well, you need a lot of Ice Storm. So I'm telling you, three of Ice Storm, you're never going to regret that. Okay, that's everything for red and everything for blue. We still have yellow, green, purple, uh, multi-colored or uh, multi-faceted, and then the neutral set to go through. But we're going to be looking at that stuff on other episodes coming up. That's going to do it for me here for Legends Cast. I think this is episode number 14, but it could be 15 because, quite frankly, I'm tired and I don't remember. Um, thank you so much for listening to my rambling at the beginning of the show. As normal, if you want to reach out to me, um, email us at eslegendscast at gmail.com. You can find us on Discord as well. Um, you can support us through Patreon. And if you're in a dark place right now, I want to help you out. I want to be there for you. And we have people in our Discord who want to be there for you as well, to be praying for you, and to just be a listening ear. So you can always email me. And I would love to even talk to you on the phone. And uh, I don't know, just be there to listen, because sometimes it's helpful to have someone to listen when we're going through otherwise dark days. So I hope that you're doing well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you listen to the end of it, wow, that's incredible, because this is a solo show and no one listens to the end of solo shows. <laughs> Thanks for getting to the end of it. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show by listening to it. Check out our Discord. Check out our sponsor, Team Rankstar, and their sponsor, Inked Gaming. Go to inkgaming.com and use the code TRS12 on your checkout so that you get 12% off the next piece of your customized gaming gear. Thank you so much for being a faithful listener of the show, and if this is your first time listening to us, well, thank you for listening the whole way through this episode. That's going to do it for this episode of Legends Cast. I'll be back next week, hopefully with a guest, well, and if not, still in an echoey basement uh, talking about a crafting guide. Okay, that's it for this episode. I'll see you guys, or talk to you guys. You guys will listen to me next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of Elder Scrolls Legends. If you want to support Legends Cast, you can always leave us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, or you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash legendscast. Be sure to come back next week and make sure that you check out our sponsor, both Inked Gaming 
and Team Rankstar at teamrankstar.com.